Happy New Year, entrepreneur, and welcome. And before we jump in, I just want to give a very heartfelt thank you to you for listening today and for listening to past episodes. Over the holiday break, we had some really great reviews come in and, you know, just see those come into my inbox. It's just so heartwarming because I know that we are resonating with you and our guests are. And if you have any feedback at all, you can always visit my website, which is michelleamercier.com. Go through the contact us form and give me some feedback because I'm always open to it because this show is for you. And without further ado, I am jumping in with the amazing Ashley Prey. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. entrepreneur and welcome to today's show. I'm so excited to be joined by my friend Ashley Perret here today on the show. She is the CEO and founder of, you know, Own Your Worth, which is a powerful name, number one of an organization to have, but it works to bridge the gap between employees and employers. You know, and as a leadership and negotiation coach, Ashley gives clients the tools to own their worth and negotiate for what they want without fear of negative consequences, which is an absolutely amazing thing and an amazing person to have on your side. She's a TEDx speaker, more than a decade of corporate experience. She's been in the New York Times, Glamour, CNN Money, Good Morning America, and so many other places. And she lives right in my home state of Massachusetts. So we were just commenting how this is actually our first virtual meeting because we're usually having lunch or coffee. So (laughs) Ashley, thank you for being here with me today. Uh, hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I know it's, it's weird. It's like no lunch, no coffee, no restaurant, no drinks. <laughs> no, just talk. <laughs> just a zoom screen. It's like, it's yeah. weird, but, um, but let's jump right in because I know a lot about you and I know our, our listeners will benefit from it a lot too. So give people kind of the, the background of journey through today of how you landed in this own your worth position. Ah, yes. Well, I think we all end up at some point in our lives teaching what we've needed to learn. And so I've been on my own journey of owning my worth uh, since my childhood, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I came across, I, I talk about this in my TEDx talk, but I came across a, a home video of myself when I was, you know, in my mid to late twenties, I found this home video of my sixth birthday party. And I was, you know, at the head of the table blowing out my birthday candles and I, proclaimed to the whole room, like, I want the biggest piece of my birthday cake. (laughs) And, um, you know, at that moment, it kind of hit me that I had lost this confident, bold, clear version of myself who just stated um, what she needed, what she wanted, what she deserved. Uh, And at that point, I had you know, been climbing the corporate career ladder in human resources. I had a very successful career uh, on all accounts. I, you know, created my own dream job. I was living alone in New York City. Um, and 
you know, I had it all, like many of us find that path of, you know, I had the money, the title, the apartment, the city, the friends, um, but I was still missing something. And ultimately it was this ever present feeling of me not being good enough. Um, And, you know, throughout my childhood, I, I, you know, I'm the oldest of five children. My parents went through a divorce and I just remember learning a lot or deciding at a certain point in time in when I was 12 or 13 years old, um, after seeing my dad give my mom child support checks, I decided that, you know, I was not going to need anything from anyone that I would become independent and, um, earn money. So that way, right. I wouldn't number one, be a burden to anybody else. And I decided or thought, right. That money would be my path to freedom. And that kind of set me off on this journey of taking care of myself. And at the same time, I so desperately just wanted to help others. And that's what led me into HR in the first place. I really wanted to help employees self-advocate, help people navigate their corporate career. And I was, you know, it's always great and easy to give advice, but I, I found the higher up I went on the corporate ladder, I wasn't even taking my own advice. I had stopped self-advocating. It became scarier for me to negotiate, even having the inside knowledge of salary data, of having relationships with the CEOs and leadership team, knowing how the companies worked and the processes. And I could help other people with no problem. But anytime it came to talking about myself, there was a lot of emotion and often tears. Um, So, you know, and I, I got a phone call, an infamous phone call from Facebook, trying to recruit me outside of my, my job that I was in at the time where I knew I had been underpaid. I knew I was overworking. I knew things weren't working out well, but that phone call um, lit a fire under me to be like, what the heck? Like somebody who doesn't know me is ready and willing to pay me a lot more freaking money to go work for them. Like, why am I not being valued at this company? And so I, I finally made an ask. I negotiated for more money. I was told an absolute no, even though I negotiated like most of the men in my organization did, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it backfired for me at the time, but ultimately that was a blessing in disguise. Um, And I ended up finding my path of realizing that my passion is to help people self-advocate and own their worth. Uh, I started teaching salary negotiation workshops because I said, if I'm having these challenges as a white woman in the corporate world with all of this privilege and access to data, like what is it like for the rest of people? And I didn't want anyone to feel the way I did. And so I started just sharing everything I knew. uh, And that led me to my first coaching clients and just this line of mostly women like waiting to ask me for my HR insider advice. And here I am today, Michelle. I know. I know. And I'm, I'm very grateful for your journey because I think, you know, you've got such a unique perspective, like that internal, external, also the self journey that you just described too, because as coaches, we both know it's, it is very easy. It is very easy to give everybody the advice, but when you're looking at yourself, it's like, Oh, like it's the last thing you want to do. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it brings up all the the pain and the stuff that's easy to avoid. And that's the thing, right? We all know the answers, quote unquote. It's yeah. just a matter of moving through those emotional hurdles to take action, like inspired action. 
towards our dreams and our goals. And that's ultimately what I, what I help my clients with now, but um, yeah, I had to go through the fire myself and really come to terms with the fact that I was not owning my worth and no matter, you know, that old company of mine, if they had given me, you know, the money that I wanted, it truly wasn't even about the money. No, it was about not feeling seen and recognized for my value because I was first not seeing and owning and recognizing my value. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book right now, Michelle. I know you are. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through some of, you know, my history and, and excavating once again. And just this, this story just keeps popping up of when we were in a, a sales kickoff meeting and I had, you know, about 200 of the leaders, the sales and sales engineering managers and leaders that I supported, you know, behind me in this room. We're in this massive conference room and the SVP of sales is giving his presentation. And I'm right in the front because I'm being a good, HR employee exactly. and leading yep. the pack. <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden I hear my name coming from the SVP. And the next thing I know, there's like a standing ovation of applause and, and praise for coming from behind me in the room. Like they were acknowledging all of the amazing work I had done for them. And it was really everything I had wanted. And, but I turned around to look at everyone behind me and I like sent literally could only look for a second and I just turned away, you know, with tears in my eyes because I wasn't able to receive it. And like I had been working so hard and it was so hard to receive it. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the turning point for me to know that it was something within me that needed attention, no, no longer external yeah. validation. Yeah. I mean, think about us and like a lot of us and how many titles we've gotten and how many awards and how many accolades and how many, you know, externally validating things that we've had happen to us. And we think that's the way to go because we were taught that that's the way to go. Um, but you know, I love that. That example is beautiful because again, how many of us have stood in front of that applause, especially us who are speakers or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And you think it's going to feed you. And I'm so glad that you had that realization of like, Nope, something's still (laughs) not off. And I think a lot of us, I mean, at least myself, I can only speak for that is I excused that those moments away as well. Mm -hmm. Right. You're like, Oh, well, I'm just so tired. So I'm not able to take it. Or I'm just so this, and then you think you're broken, right. When you do have that realization. So what were the steps? Like, what did you do kind of after that part? (sighs) Yes. Well, it was a long journey. I would say I'm still on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, therapy has been a big part of my life on and off since I was 18. But around that time, I think I had finally found like the therapist that really helped me the most that kind of, I started doing two things. I found an amazing therapist who I was able to build trust with her like I had never been able to do, right? So we did a lot of practicing in real life. I remember just when I was leaving New York city and had, and, and left and ended our work together, I asked her if I could have a hug. Like it felt so scary and so vulnerable, but that's all like, it just felt like, so I, I actually did some really deep work to be able to open myself up and learn to trust somebody. Um, and that was the work I did in therapy and I started meditating. Um, I started down a spiritual journey and path. I had been raised Catholic and gone to church every Sunday because I had to, again, something else I was taught. Right. Um, but I ended up finding my connection to God or spirit or the universe, right. In a way that felt 
freeing and powerful for me. And so those two big shifts, I mean, again, I went within ultimately was I stopped looking outside and I worked within myself and that kind of opened the floodgates to, first of all, a lot of pain. I mean, I lost a relationship. I lost a job. I lost a city. I mean, there was a lot of changes that came from that, you know, the, the saying that everything falls apart before it comes back together. This was, you know, the dying version of kind of the old way I had been. So that way this newer, more centered and, and worthy version of myself could emerge. Um, so I got help ultimately. And eventually I ended up working with my first coach after both of those things too. So I finally raised my hand to say, yeah, I know a lot and I've been quote unquote successful, but something still isn't right. So I need some freaking help here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you make a good point because the intellectual part of us, uh, we check so many boxes, right. And we'll read all the books and we'll like, you know, analyze the hell out of it, but you know, it's those subconscious beliefs. It's those, those scripts that are constantly running underneath that you really do need the help to get to, because obviously if you had gotten to it, if you were able to, you would (laughs) have, right. Yes. Yes. And I think the no, I, I, this comes up a lot with my clients and the work that we do too. It's like, well, we all know our childhood impacts us in some way, right? Right. But, but especially if we've gone the therapy route with either some success or no success or a lot of success, the there's this like, I feel like resistance, even in myself, like, do I really have to revisit my past again? I know. <laughs> um, like yeah. how, but it, it's so like being able to untangle those past moments to be able to see how they still are impacting us now, like that is truly where the power is. So it's not, I think I've learned, like it's not about like just being in those old wounds or old feelings. It's really about like all my clients ask me, well, what can we do? What can I do? What did you do? What are we going to do here? (laughs) Where's my task? Where's my action plan? Yep. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, uncovering those self-limiting beliefs that are still present, but we're were built or defined in the past uh, is I think where that revisiting the past is really powerful. Yeah. Cause they're never done. I think that's what mm-hmm. everybody is looking for is like, I mean, in, in that sentence alone, I just was like kind of a little nauseous of like, I'm never done. <laughs> right. Like, because it is, it's overwhelming and you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to do this forever. Is this ever going to end? Yeah. Right. But I think, you know, the point of resilience is to keep going mm-hmm. through it. Right. With the adversity part of it too. And I think it lessens over time, but there's a lot to be said about those scripts that you form before like age eight or nine and how much they drive the bus in your life. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of it is being able to come back to like, to be aware of those scripts and then choose something different now. Like that's, that's where I think owning your worth truly lives. Like if you can make some inspired, informed, clear decisions for yourself that after you ride the emotional wave, like that's the best we can do (laughs) on any given day. Yeah. I mean, and it's the recognizing first, right? I think that's the thing that people, the people jump right to the solve, right? They think that they're, they're going to have to go through all this pain, but then they're going to have to solve it right away and everything else. And I think there is a little bit of freedom in knowing that it takes a long time. It's a journey because then you get to, you know, take your time with it. You don't have to be perfect with it. You can allow the crumbling part of it and know that you don't have to have had it solved like yesterday either. Although a lot of us feel that way, right? 
Yes. Yes, for sure. We all want to get somewhere, right? We're all exactly get to somewhere and, and move through the present. Uh, yeah. And the pain, so been, right? Yeah. And the pain, yeah. which you almost have to respect that part of the journey too. So to kind of switch lanes a little bit, you know, right front and center on your website, your, your quote is grow your career in your terms by being authentic in tough conversations, building bridges through negotiation and trusting. I love this sentence, by the way, trusting that no is not the end. So we have talked a little bit more about kind of the why, but can you elaborate a little bit more, maybe some specific examples of when you've worked with clients Cause I think we've all been there when we've been at that table where we're, where we're negotiating and before we know it, we, you know, sabotage ourselves and we don't even mm. recognize that we've done it until the end. And then we beat ourselves up some more, right. For doing it. Yeah. Um, so can you walk us through, you know, maybe a situation or an example or something like that, that can, that can help us with that. Help us with moving through those hard conversations and, and knowing that no, isn't the end, even if you don't get what you want. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Oh man. Negotiation, right. Is, is rooted in conversation. It's really just a conversation, Mm -hmm. but because we talk about money most often, right. You can negotiate for a lot of things, not only money, but in this case, let's use money as the example, because this is when it gets entangled with our own feelings of self-worth, of confidence, our own relationship with money, right? And this is why so many of us fear and or avoid having these hard conversations in our business, in our career, in our life with the people who we love the most, because let's face it, we don't talk about money in what I consider to be a healthy way in our society. Right. right. We learn a lot about money from our parents in our childhood. And on top of that, it's reinforced right through our societal constructs. And yes, it is necessary, but most of us don't take the time to get really clear about how our relationship with money informs our ability to self-advocate, to ask, to say yes with clarity, or ultimately to say no and walk away from something that doesn't serve us. Right. And I think, you know, myself included, I was, I was so afraid of hearing no in these conversations that I avoided them for a long time. Now, on the other side of that, I negotiated my very first job outside of college, honestly, because I didn't know any better. I thought I have bills, I have to pay rent, I have student loans, like I just, I'm, I want to make more money. So I negotiated and it got harder for me to ask the higher up I went in my corporate career because it felt like I had more to risk. Yeah. And if you're running a business and you're thinking about raising your rates and you have this fear that, you know, if I raise my rates, my clients are going to be upset with me. They're going to not work with me. I'm not going to be able to find any new clients. Right. And that tells me there's right fear present and these scripts running in the background about what it means for you to either earn more money or what it means for you to ask for money. And so I think, you know, when I'm working with a client, whether they're negotiating, uh, again, for pricing with a vendor, for a speaking uh, fee, for a corporate career, a new job, a part-time gig, whatever it is, it's really about just number one, creating the space to get clear on knowing your impact. Right. So what is it that you bring to the table? How can you own the value that you deliver? What separates you from 
other people in your space or in the market. Um, what have your clients said about the amazing work that you do? So grounding yourself in the value that you bring is a really first important step because just like, you know, me not being able to receive that, that applause and that recognition, if we don't own it first, it's going to be really hard to talk about money if we feel we're not deserving of more. And that's when I think most of us end up saying yes to something that's not really a yes. And we beat ourselves up after, as you mentioned. Yeah. And slowing, um, slowing the conversation down, I would imagine too. Right. Oh yes. Because sometimes yes. we get so uncomfortable that we just want to get to the end of it. <laughs> right. And not, yes. not even allowing the time for us to ground. And I always tell clients, I always tell them, you know, speak in facts, right. If the fact of the matter is that you've done speaking engagements for thousands of people, that's a fact that it can't be disputed. Right. Um, and that can kind of back up your emotional stuff, right. It can help solidify at least some of that build the groundwork. Yes. So owning, yeah, owning that value, owning your value, meaning what's the data, what are the facts, what are the feedback? Like, what do you actually know to be true about, you know, either your performance or your uh, product or service. And when you go into the conversation, it's about asking very, very clearly, Michelle, like what you need or what you yes. want. Mm-hmm. So stating, stating a range, uh, you know, a speaker fee, like, Hey, typically I get, you know, 25 to 5,500 for speaking fees. Is that within your budget? Right. So really being clear with the numbers because people can't negotiate with you if if you, if they don't know what you want or what you're looking for or where you're thinking. And so I really help clients get more comfortable talking about money out loud. And a good way to practice this is just to state like your current fees out loud and see how it feels like do you feel like a little bit like that's a little bit edgy like it's kind of a lot but you'd be really excited to receive that does it feel like oh it's no big deal like anyone can pay a hundred dollars right and you might be devaluing right your work so the emotional connection to the numbers is something you can practice beforehand as well so that way those emotions don't show up as much in the conversation because let's face it we can't think logically and be curious in a negotiation conversation when we're in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yeah. Right. When our nervous system is activated and we feel unsafe or we feel we're being greedy or whatever the story is um, that prevents us from being able to really come to that place of yes for both parties. And you know, asking great questions like, oh, can you tell me more about that? Or what else do you need from me to be able to advocate on my behalf? Or, you know, I'm, you know, would this work for you if we did blah, 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 right? Just having these few sentences or pieces of language that can help you have a conversation and even saying, you know what, I need some time to think about this. Can we pause our conversation and come back to it? Allows you to create that space to then get very clear on hey, is this going to work for me? Because if the ultimate answer is no, right, for whatever reason, whether you negotiate a new job offer and the company says a big hell no, you get to decide, is this really the job or the boss or the client that I really want to work with, that I really am going to feel valued and recognized and paid competitively for? So no is not the end. And so many of us fear 
that this terrible worst case outcome and scenario is going to happen. And we don't enter into these really powerful conversations that can give us the information we really need to grow our business, to grow our career, to get very clear on who we want to work with. Um, so yeah, I think I skipped over some steps, but the ultimate goal is to be able to enter the conversation, even if you still have a fear, let's get yeah. clear on what you want and yeah. go for no, um, because ultimately you'll find your own yes in there somewhere. Exactly, exactly. I mean, whether it works out to your point, whether it works out or it doesn't, it's still working out, right? It's still mm -hmm. working its way out, I guess, is a, yes. is a better way to put that. And I think oftentimes, you know, I feel people go in like thinking there's going to be a winner and a loser in negotiations. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's not what that's about, right? Can you tell, can no. you talk to me about that point, please? Oh, yes. I mean, that's again, <laughs> another right, societal construct of go in there, right? I mean, this is everything with sports. Yeah. yeah, sports yeah. is being reinforced, grades, right? From ABC, uh, you know, we, we, yeah, there's often everything it seems to be in our society, right? Is tied to either an outcome, yeah. a good outcome or, right, this external validation versus like we, again, have to come within and decide, well, what is winning for me? Yes. <laughs> what would losing for me be right versus if a client is gonna say yes to your rates like do you really feel that they're losing and you won just because they said yes Gross. Like, yeah no yeah it's no. like wow i'm so thrilled that i'm gonna be able to support and work with this person and transform their lives or their businesses and I'm so thrilled that I'm going to be paid fairly and competitively and that we don't ever have to talk about the money piece again so it's like there is no winning and losing. It's coming into the relationship on this common ground of respect and of agreement that allows you to flourish. And this is why these conversations in the context of work and even our personal relationships, Michelle, like they really are bridge building opportunities. Yeah. Like they can help us build connection and resilience yeah. because we learn a lot more about who we're going into business with, who we're working with and who we are as well. Um, and when we avoid these hard conversations or we judge others like, oh, look at her, you know, charging X, Y, or Z. Right? It's just information for us to look at our own stories. Yeah. So yeah, there's no winner, winner or loser in my book. There's <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What you, what you agree to and what you say yes to, and that's what you have to decide if you want to live with or not. And you're the ultimate judge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, number one, thank you for reinforcing that point. Cause it's one of those things that drives me nuts. And it's one of those things that's kind of put in this black and white category or black and white thinking approach where, you know, great. So someone won, but then you hate each other six months later. Right. So I feel like to your point, the bridge building visualization is perfect because also when you walk into a negotiation, you shouldn't be thinking about just that moment. <laughs> you should mm -hmm. be thinking about six months a year? What is the, you know, the longevity of this partnership look like? It's not as black and white as I want to get paid more or, yeah. you know, and it's made to seem that way so much. So then when women come in and they want more from that experience of negotiating, we're made to feel kind of like we're weird. Um, yeah. cause we don't want to dominate and we don't want to like, no, it's supposed to be a win-win, win-win-win-win all the way around. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's supposed to be that we're able to receive more so we can give more 
Yeah. And too often, right, that scenario is flipped where we, again, typically, right, in general here as women or people who identify as women, we we give as a way to get recognition yes. or be accepted or be loved. And, you know, you know where that leads, Michelle, right? The burnout path. Yes. And at some point, you know, if we're not advocating for ourselves along the way, then it feels like a massive hole to claw claw ourselves out of. Um, yeah. Whereas these, these important conversations along the way help us to feel that equal exchange of giving and receiving. Um, but, you know, part of owning your worth is connected to, are you ready, willing, and able to receive, receive love, receive abundance, yeah. receive yeah. compliments, right? So if we're, again, this money stuff is tricky. It's, it's, typically connected with those feelings of are we feeling deserving and worthy of more yeah yeah I mean you bring you make up a great point as people don't they always seem to forget the receiving part of it right like you can be open all day long but if when somebody goes to offer you the million dollars you know number one there's the ability to receive it number two it's what you're going to do with it as well Mm -hmm. right like I feel like that's in the same category as to why you see like lottery winners blow it all Oh, yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is, you know, just a case study in itself, but also points to a lot of that old programming. Like that's not going to fix it all just no. because you got the extra, you know, hundred thousand or whatever it is, like that's not going to fix it. But also you have the ability to change your mind too. Mm, I think, yeah. which I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Cause I think oftentimes I've seen people go into negotiations or go to, or pitch something you know, you pitch a client and you're like, oh, this person's going to be awesome. Here's the pricing that I'm pitching. And then you get into more conversation. You're like, eh, maybe not. Right. And then they feel like they're compelled to stay the track. Right. Mm. That's not the case. Right. (sighs) No, because ultimately that ends up hurting us more, right? There's a cost to us Mm -hmm. saying yes, when it's truly not a yes. And the power of negotiation is to find out more information. So I coach clients on, right, negotiation is the last step in the interview process. Like it's actually part of that process. And it's a part of running a successful business because it's it's a leverage to gather information. And um, at any point you have permission to change your mind, change your terms, change your rates, whatever it might be, if you realize that this partnership or client relationship, right, isn't serving you or both of you to the best ability. And I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with clients who are also entrepreneurs, it becomes, so I'll just say that at the beginning of your journey, right, in entrepreneurship, it's, it's really hard to, we need to feel again, safe and secure, or at least somewhat safe, right, Mm -hmm. to be able to expand or grow or take what we feel like is a risk. Right. And, yep. you know, I feel like a lot of clients that I end up working with who are entrepreneurs are very early on, you know, they're just wanting to start out and that can bring some fear that, you know, oh, if I have this conversation and it's not going well, like I need to take it, take work with this client because, you know, yes. I don't have anyone yes. else or yep. what if I don't have anyone else? And, you know, that that's where getting very, very clear on what does work for you right now. What is the cost to you, right? There's always a cost balance. Exactly. You know, you can always just, you know, people are afraid of burning bridges, but to me, it's, it's, 
being honest and saying, you know what, this is no longer going to work for me. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Perhaps we can work together in the future. Like if, if that burns a bridge, then you've saved yourself from working with a potentially uh, non-compatible client in the first place. Since somebody Maybe. wouldn't respect you. Yeah. And the myth that you say yes to the client that's not compatible, you've already burned that bridge. That bridge is already yeah. on fire and burning in a big way, right? And we all know yeah. it. And I think it's it's much easier to see it in hindsight, right? But I think mm-hmm. we all, I was speaking to somebody else on the podcast, I can't remember who it was, um, that said like the, every time she ignored that intuition hit, every single time it like bit her later yeah. on down the line, right? And I think we have to be moving slow enough and in tuned enough internally to know when that intuition hit actually happens so that we can say, Whoa, something feels off here. Back it up. What, and get curious to your point. I feel like this episode Mm -hmm. should just be named get curious. Yes. (laughs) So many levels. Yes. Because often, you know, if, if we haven't built that connection to our intuition, then we often ignore it and we push, right? We, we try harder or we yep. force things and we, we don't go into these situations with curiosity about what we need or about, you know, what could work. It's more just like, well, if I don't, again, we, we have that fear. negative fear. fear of potential consequences. Um, and that to me is a sure sign that again, you're not living in your place of activated presence, as I call it, it's you're living right in fear. Um, and you don't want to enter into any type of relationship if, if it's one based off of fear or it's forced. Yeah. And it just, I just want to clarify fear still is going to exist. Ah, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you clarify Mm -hmm. that for us? Because I think people think something's wrong with them if they're afraid too, and then they do it anyway. Right. Like, or, you know, vice versa. So talk about that a little bit. Yes. So I guess the distinction, the best way I can explain it is to feel that fear, to get very clear about how it's trying to keep you safe. So identifying, like, I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. I'm afraid I'm going to have no money. I'm afraid I'm going to have to sell my house. I'm afraid I'm going to be alone on the street. I'm afraid no one will ever accept me. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I'm afraid in just naming all the fear to lessen its intensity so that way Again, your intuition or what I like to call your CEO self can come back to the table and also have a conversation. Like, look, I get it. There is a potential here that this could not work out. But if that's the case, what are we going to do? So let's say this thing burns down and the big answer is a hell no or right, the worst case scenario happens, then what? So it's kind of going down this fear staircase into the basement to look at what this fear is trying to prevent us from experiencing and being able to use our mindfulness and our logic to be able to say, okay, can I put any contingencies in place? Can I talk to a coach or a friend or a colleague? Like, what do I need to do here to be able to then take inspired action? Even though, yes, this is scary, right? I mean, I I'm a negotiation coach at the end of the day, and I negotiate pretty much daily in my business. And this still brings up emotions for me. It still brings up fear because we want to people please. We want to be liked and accepted and we want to right, have everyone smiling, but that's not always possible and it's okay. It's yeah. okay. So it's, it's being able to feel that fear, but take action from a place of truth and clarity and curiosity versus a place of fear. Yeah. Does that 
I think that, no, I think that makes perfect sense. I think, you know, it's never, it's, it's instinctual, right? Like fear's not going away because it's there to keep us alive. And I think that you need to give it that mutual level of respect as well. And to your point, say, okay, I see you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your concerns, right? Yes. But please get in the passenger seat, right? Instead of driving the entire car off a cliff. So, you know, and then you need to then put yourself back in there. And and again, it's not about getting angry that you were scared or, you know, pushing it down or any of that kind of, you know, language around it. It's about acknowledging it, appreciating it, respecting it, and then making your own independent decision. Yes. Right. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And being so kind to yourself along the way, because if you're managing a business or managing a team of people, like this stuff that comes up a lot, right? We're putting ourselves in new experiences, scary experiences where there's a lot of unknown on a daily basis. And that's right where the resilience comes in is how do you treat yourself along the way as you move through like challenging scenarios and Again, this path is not for everyone, right? It can be very, you, you can, I guess, have success and avoid these hard conversations, <laughs> right? But I, I would just say, right, you know, what is really missing or what are you, what are you leaving off the table that you could really be fully living into your potential, into your dreams, into your impact, you know, if you're willing to be, um, you know, brave enough to feel that fear and then speak up anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and to your point, um, choose it, right? Choose to stay where you are or choose to move forward, but make it a conscious decision. So then when you go to bed at night, you lay your head down and you're like, okay, this at least was mine to own versus this passive kind of approach of, I'm just going to let things happen to me, um, and then become a victim and so on and so forth. Right. Which I think, you know, we're, we're, you've used the word intentional and intention Mm -hmm. quite a bit in this conversation, which, there's a reason for that. Correct. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to, to blame our parents or our bosses or an ex or who knows, right. Uh, the weather COVID, there's a lot of stuff that (laughs) is out of our control. And I think doing the best we can to manage what is within our control is all we have. Um, and that takes resilience, that takes intention, that takes a lot of self-love and compassion because here's the thing, we may hear no, we may lose a client or a friend or, you know, but again, what's the cost to you if you avoid all of those things, right? And you just say yes to something that isn't true for you. Yeah. I mean, what's, you're exactly right. Like you may lose something external, but what's the cost on the internal level? Like, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of women and probably a lot of listeners in general can relate to the thought of this kind of picture of slowly chipping away right at yourself, Mm -hmm. right. Slowly for every yes that you give that maybe you ignored an intuition hit, or you didn't fully want to do, but you convinced yourself otherwise, you know, you, it, it builds up over time until you mm-hmm. wake up, you know, at 50 or whenever, and you're not yourself anymore. And you forgot that person. Yes. Um, so I think it's beautiful what you're saying in regards to, you know, pick, pick one, right. Folks mm-hmm. like, pick mm-hmm. yourself or pick, you know, the slow chipping away, yikes, um, which yeah. can cause a lot of regrets in your life too. Yeah. 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 I, I think the counterintuitive piece here is that 
when we do choose ourselves, ultimately we can show up right fully for those things that we have said yes. And that's again, what enables us to give or show up for our clients or, or write our book or whatever, right? This dream is that we have. Um, and that's, it's, it feels like we're being selfish by saying choose ourselves, but yeah. it actually enables you to like be, just be very clear sighted on what you're here to do in this world, right? We have a short life and mm. um, our time isn't unlimited. It's, it's, finite so yeah I think that's where I give myself permission right and remind myself that ultimately it serves everyone not only myself yeah. if I choose myself yeah I say that to clients a lot the more you make the more you can give right yeah. so if like you need to hear that part of you know from being selfless or whatever it may be like yeah. look at the look at the good that you're going to be able to do once you raise your rates and you feel your practice or, yes. you know, any of those things that if there's a ripple effect that occurs, especially, you know, no offense to our guys here, but especially when a woman steps into owning her worth, it is a massive ripple effect. I've seen it happen yes. so many times when her entire community feels that worth, not just herself. And I think for those of us who have, who have got, been in that place, we're like, oh, this is selfish. And I think we're all going to have those moments, but mm -hmm. I like the fact that you're bringing it back to, you know, think about Think about that ripple effect, that impact that's going to be yes. made. Yes. And maybe on the other side of that, I will just say that when you enter into a conversation with money, know that the other person, the other party also has a relationship with money. Exactly. Yeah. And more often than not, however they respond is, is it's not about you. It's about their relationship with money. Mm. Good point. Right. And so you have to be clear in your own relationship and your own yes. And right. What, what a no is going to be like for you. And then also just by, by doing this work, right. We can be more understanding of somebody else who might say like, whoa, you charge what? Like, and <laughs> you're seeing, yeah. yeah, you're seeing their own fear or their own disconnection between right. Receiving X amount and, and you know, I think that's an important piece to remember in these conversations that it, it feels very personal, but there's two sides, right. And two right. different, um, money stories kind of sitting at the negotiation table that yeah. again, with curiosity, it can be really empowering to, to look at that. And again, just ask why, and, you know, somebody might be able to share something with you that you're like, Oh, wow. Like I completely get it. So, Hey, let's, let's try this. Let's what about this for you? Right. And that's how you find the solution. Exactly. That's how you find the solution. Yeah. And again, going back to our earlier point, it's not a win or lose. It's, it's a win-win like all around yes. is what you're really going for. And I think, I thank you for bringing up that point that it is not about you. I mean, it's different if you're, if you're in the market and you're charging like a million dollars an hour, like, and you're completely off law off topic with market yes. value, then we'll have a different conversation. But if it is somebody who you keep hearing no's from, there's so many other questions that I challenge clients to ask before they lower prices or yes. adjust their stuff is, you know, is your ideal client correct? Are you attracting the right people? Are you having the right conversation? There's so many other mm. things to get curious about before you even look at yourself. On that. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Because we jump to the conclusion of, oh, it must be the money. If we, if we are not clear on our rates or if we haven't done our research or grounded ourselves right in the market and what we want, then if we're, if we're afraid of what we're charging and someone says no, then of course, yeah, it's the first thing. Well, I'll just drop my rates where it could just be a misalignment with a client. It exactly. could be 
the way you're marketing, it could be the service, right? Somebody wants only this piece of it, but you're offering too many things. Who knows, right? So I love that approach. And I'll just share a quick story that when I first started my business and I was setting my rates, you know, I a family member must have saw like a a post that I had of for an upcoming event with a fee on online, and he accidentally texted me instead of texting somebody else. So. I got the message that he was saying, like, he couldn't believe how much I was charging and he was meant to be sending it to somebody else. But I got that message. And at first right. I was like, oh, my God, like, no one's going to come. This is awful. I'm charging too much. Right. So I brought up my own money story. And then I was able to have a conversation with him and just get really clear. Like, hey, I know you didn't mean to send this to me, but now that you did, like, let's talk about it. And, you know, I learned a lot about him and his relationship with money. And again, it wasn't about you know, he was like, I could never, I could never charge that for something I was doing because I, you know, I don't believe blah, blah, blah. And so it's always an opportunity if we're willing to see it that way. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And a lot of the times, like you said, not about you, it's not always about you, (laughs) (laughs) which is freeing in itself on a lot of levels. I think people think, you know, oh, well, if it's not about me, how am I supposed to be selfish with it? How am I like, put it in perspective, folks. Like again, like it's, it's like entering into a marriage, no matter what it is, all of a sudden these two parties come with their, their beliefs and you're expected to just blend them seamlessly in an instant. Mm. And that's not real life. And that goes for negotiating for business as well. Does not yeah. work that cleanly. Um, I don't know, ever. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen it work that cleanly of you. <laughs> like, but it can. No, um, it's worth it. It's worth it though. In the end. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Well, any last points that you want to kind of say around the own your worth point and this negotiation topic? I just, I love talking about it with you. Make the ask, yeah. get clear, make the ask and yeah. Trust that you're, you are being led to, you know, your great, your, your greatest impact, your best clients. Like these conversations are are really powerful and yeah. you know they, they get a little bit easier over time um yeah. so just just make the ask and yeah own your worth you are worthy whatever you would like and desire you are worthy of receiving it and you don't have to work more please don't work anymore <laughs> exactly because exactly. 99 of the time i have to remind myself like no michelle you usually deliver at like 150 percent. so if you yeah. knock it down you're still at only 130 <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a lot of us overachievers here, like that yes. is, you know, speaking in facts again, to really be begin to own your worth. And thank you for reminding us all that we're worthy before we even step to the negotiation table. When we wake yeah. up in the morning, we're still worthy. Right. So yes. I love we're born it. This way. We're I born know. this way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cue Lady Gaga on that. Yes. <laughs> Um, we'll tell people where they can find you if they'd like to learn more and listen to your Ted talk and all sorts of good things. Yes. Everything is on my website, ownyourworth.com. My TEDx talk is called how to have your cake and negotiate too. You can find that on my website. You can reach out to me there, or book me for uh, keynote speaking or workshops or connect with me for coaching. So ownyourworth.com. I love it. Way to go on the domain friend and on the name. That's fantastic. So, well, thank you so much for being here with me today. I know our listeners have found a lot of value in what you had to say. Thank you, Michelle. So Ashley is one of those friends that I really wish that I could just like have with me at all times <laughs> during hard conversations, during negotiations. And I wish that I had had her, you know, a couple of years back when I was in corporate, because she's just, she's just a wealth 
of knowledge. And she's also so inspirational and so supportive. And, you know, I love having conversations with her, but she does bring up a lot of great points throughout this, throughout this talk. And this is one of those episodes, you know, I may even go back and, and listen to more than once. And I definitely recommend you do the same because there's those little nuggets, whether it's no is not the end or that a negotiation is not a win or lose situation or whatever it may be. Go back and take some extra notes on this one, because whether you're trying to sign a new client with increased prices or just with the prices you have right now, or if you're pitching or going after a raise, whatever it may be, all of today's episode is relevant. And on next week's episode, I am jumping in with Dr. Anne Kaplan. So she is one incredible woman. She's an award-winning businesswoman. She's an author and she's a star of the Real Housewives of Toronto. And let me tell you, she has some amazing views. And one of the topics that we're going to be covering, something that I hear from clients quite a bit, it actually is, you know, about social media and the negative impacts of it and, and how people kind of become keyboard warriors sometimes and how that could impact a business. And, you know, maybe some tips on how we can move forward in a positive way amongst other things that we talk about, because she's pretty freaking fantastic. So make sure to tune in for that. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.